Welcome to the Scottish Paranormal Podcast, I'm your host Chris, and here we'll be delving into the multitude of strange occurrences that happen within Scotland. You can contact us with your accounts at thescottishparanormalpodcast.gmail.com You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Podbean and iTunes, and you can contact us by either means. Tonight's episode, we're speaking with the Reverend Alison Dunlop-Shanes, Alison's a deaconess, exorcist, demonologist and angelologist. With a classic degree from the University of Glasgow, she's a mystic, writer, hypnotherapist and radio presenter. She's also had a variety of psychic experiences herself, right across the board within the supernatural. She heads, also heads SBI Scotland, researching UFOs, the supernatural and the paranormal. She's appeared in numerous TV and radio programmes discussing various aspects, supernatural, religion and ufology. Alison also produces her own show, which is called The ADX Files. So plug yourself in, find a quiet space, chill out, and listen in. Hi, Alison. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Good to be on. Good to be on. Thank you for asking me. Basically, what's your origin story and what got your kind of interest in the paranormal to start off with? Okay. Um, Well, I think probably... The paranormal has intrigued me for a long time because um, even when I was a child, you know, I would hear stories from my grandparents and parents. And uh, there was one incident where my grandmother was very worried about changing churches to be able to uh, go to a closer one. And she was worried what our minister would say. So. Um, as she was going out the door, it began to rain, and the rain spelled out the word peace. And that's P-E-A-C-E, not a peace and jam. It spelled out the You've word... No, no, a Scottish peace. <laughs> no, not that other peace. Scottish language, that's it. Uh, <laughs> no, it spelled out the word uh, peace as in calm, tranquil. Yeah. And, and this was witnessed by a neighbour who confirmed it. Um, so that was one of the the famous stories of, of the family. So was um, this kind of spelled out on the path or was it in the air? Or was it On the doorstep. On the doorstep. It was on the doorstep as she was coming out and she said to, to her neighbour, do you see that? And, and she confirmed that, yes, yeah, she did see it. So... Um, it, you know, and then and I knew my parents, my grandparents had done a Ouija board that, you know, ended with my grandfather tipping the board up and saying, this is all rubbish, you know, because it, it uh, I think it indicated that it wanted to speak to my father and uh, it freaked him out. And uh, then later on, after I visited a spiritualist church, I found out that my great grandmother had been a spiritualist and my grandmother 
had visited um, the spiritualist church with her. And uh, I knew that my grandfather didn't like this. Um, so in the end, my grandmother stopped going, but uh, she was very into this subject, my grandmother. She loved it. Uh, presumably my great-grandmother, who was actually our mother-in-law that I'm talking about, presumably uh, she loved it as well, you know, and was very into it. Um, and my, But my grandmother was a, a very much a believer in the supernatural. And, um, you know, she, she also believed strongly in God. Um, my father and grandfather, they liked the more dramatic side of things you know my, my father introduced me to hammer films at an early-ish age it's maybe about 12 or so we would watch them when my mum went uh, to work she was working night shift and she she was going out the door she would she didn't like them at all she would tell him not to allow me to watch them or I'd end up being weird I think was what she said and um, she'll turn out weird she'll turn out strange you know whatever and um, then around about 14, my father, uh, knowing that my dad and I watched the Dracula films on a Friday night, he bought a secondhand horror book in a charity shop and he thought that I would probably like it. You know, he said to me, you what, you like those horror films and things? You might, do you think you would like this? And of course, he'd never read it beforehand. And so the book that he gave me was actually... The Exorcist. Um, now he would never have known what was in that book, you know. Um, but I think that all kind of set the tone for uh, who I was going to become later in life. So, so that's my family background, anyway. It's quite funny where you get um, like religious people who don't want to believe in the paranormal or they don't want to, or they shut it off in a sense and they think it's wrong. Potentially it comes hand in hand. If you look at the, the Bible stories and what's in there, I mean, it's, it's filled with paranormal events, but you could put them that way. Yeah, yeah, and but I mean, I think what's um, also funny there is that the ones who, well, you know, there's a lot of people who will say, uh, oh, I'm not into this subject at all. I don't believe in anything like that. But I'll tell you something strange that happened the other day, you know, and they, they have this sort of strange tale to tell, you know. And I, I also should uh, mention as well that my grandfather used to have dreams, uh, some of which he wouldn't tell us about. Um, uh, they, they, they were bad dreams. We never found out what they were. But he, all, he had prophetic dreams. And uh, in, in one case, he dreamt about a horse and jockey that we, that was in the days before uh, I'd become vegan and seen the light um, and, and went to the, the races with uh, my family. And um, well, not very often, but uh, we we were there and and uh, my grandfather looked at the the booklet and he said that's the horse and jockey that i dreamt about winning so we all put a wee flutter on this and right enough the horse won yeah. so um uh, that um, was a 
handy ability to have. It doesn't happen all the time, obviously, but (laughs) just little strange things like that, you know, and and I'm quite sure that everybody has these uh, strange stories in their family, you know, strange tales to tell. Everybody has, you know what I mean? And that's, that was kind of one point when we try to do the podcast, but I know you do your own as well, and it's, it's just trying to gather these stories that, that people have got, and we've all got them, I've all heard them. Some people tell them more than others, some people rationalise them and just close them off, and like, even the unrational ones, they still close them off because they're not that way-minded. That's right. Uh, but it's just, I think the thing is as well, if more people speak about it, and at one point maybe the paranormal will be born normal, in a sense. Yes, in a sense. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where we'll go there after that happens, though, but... <laughs> Obviously, the, the paranormal is a wide-ranging topic. What kind of part of the paranormal takes your interest the most? Um, well, it's a bit of a cop-out here, but I do love everything genuinely, from ghosts and poltergeists, demon dogs and werewolves, and demons, angels, miracles, psychic phenomena, mediumship. I, I, I'm interested in a wide range of subjects, but I suppose that... The, area of um you might say more the supernatural that takes my interest would be uh, demons why i i i'm not sure i mean the, the the family background stories that i've told might have built up a picture of of what led me to to that i mean i think though one one reason probably the main reason would be the incubus attack that i had um, and that set me off on a, you know, a path of I've started looking into that subject, mm-hmm. um, and and that in itself brought me to, you know, uh, seeing other things and hearing other things uh, going on uh, with other people, mm-hmm. and um, it just seems to have been the the subject that I've been guided to work within, you know, within that area. Mm-hmm. Not just that area, but um, I have come to realise that that is the area that I want to be working in the most. Do you, do you feel like, you said there that you've been guided into it as well, do you feel like you get some synchronicities that, that take you into a path of certain things or guide you in a certain way you can just see these kind of points happen along the way and it's like it's sometimes it's maybe like a, a, a eureka moment that that you you know that you're the way you're going right or do you, you find that yourself yeah i've often said to people you know that if doors are closing for you all the time forget it you know don't don't do it don't do that thing if but if doors are opening for you that's the way to go you know, and I've I've had both those scenarios. I've had, you know, <clears throat> what I would call angelic guidance to not go to a certain place. And I decided to give it three chances of being um, stopped from going. Mm-hmm. And those three chances happened. And I was on my way there. You know, train tickets. I was on the train. Uh, train tickets booked, and it was a long journey. And uh, I, I didn't go. 
because and I wanted to go but I didn't go because there was three things and uh, that just seemed to indicate to me that I was been told not to go and afterwards there's a really good reason why um, I shouldn't have gone mm -hmm. so that that's that side of it but yes I, th I think that I have been guided into this subject mm -hmm. uh, by the things that I've encountered in my life um, seem to have pointed to this direction, you know, and um, well. So on that, on that kind of note as well, um, after investigating for a good number of years, a lot of different topics within the paranormal, what, what cases have stood out to you the most that you could talk about or, I mean? Um, I think that my first UFO case remains with me because, you know, I was new and young and fresh, this, you know, young, fresh invest UFO investigator mm -hmm. with the SPI. And um, the UFO, it, the sighting took place in a variety of locations. Uh, some witnesses saw over Glasgow, some saw over Jura. And as luck would have it, my ex-husband came from Isla and we were visiting the following weekend. So we just jumped across to, to Jura and we visited and um, we got a chance to speak to a couple of witnesses. Um, there was a fisherman and there was a gamekeeper and his wife who had also witnessed something. So. The fisherman had been in a boat with a friend. Um, the friend was looking in the opposite direction. So by the time he had told him, what is that? By the time he had said to him, what is that? And the man had, the other man had turned round this, um, he said it was like a red arrow, speeding red arrow. But I don't mean like a red arrow, the plane, an actual red arrow. Mm -hmm. um, and, and he said that it just blinked out. It just blinked out just before his friend turned round. And it had been speeding across the sky. And uh, the gamekeeper over in Jura, he said that something, I, I can't remember how he described it now, but he said that something skidded up into the mountain. And the next day, the place was crawling with uh, military and they totally cleared the area uh, where the UFO had um, skidded up into the mountain. And he took um, his little, I can't remember what you call it, you know, a kind of a cart thing, you know, that you drive. Yeah, something something like that. And he had taken that up into the hills, uh, but he couldn't find anything at all. But he showed us where it happened and the gra there was grass burns and the grass burns were below, not above the, the grass stem. Mm -hmm. um, now, as far as I can remember, he had also seen a light beaming down uh, into a field one night after midnight. Mm -hmm. 
um, and there was no other noise and the light just went out. Uh, I, I can't remember the, all the details of that, but I remember him telling us about that. And another, sorry, were you going to I was just going to say, what, what date, well, we know, not exactly, but what kind of year was it when that happened? Um, I think it was round about 93. Mm -hmm. Nin yeah, I think it was round about then anyway. Tie, I'm just trying to tie it in with stuff where you've got like um, RAF Magrahanish just across the coast as well, and you've got That's all that right. going through there. I mean, which was a, a test site for. That's for, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And okay. is that still open, Magrahanish? No, it's it's well. They've got there now. Um. As far as I know, obviously the, the, they've got the airport there now, where you got like civilian flights coming in, which is it's no right on where the RAF marked hands, it's kind of slightly to the side, but they use the runways and stuff. And yeah. then the the actual place where the military base was, they've, um, it's used now from, for wind turbines to get made. And then actually, when you go right down the back of RAF Magrahanish, there is the place where the munitions spit it out. The munitions stores where from above, if you look at them, it'll just look like plain grass, but you can see it's like the kind of bumps in the ground where they'll maybe keep ordinance and stuff like that. And they're actually um they're actually hired out to businesses of residence now. So they can go in there and have like a business and use the the old munitions store as like a, a storage area for like maybe like a builder or something. But there is some parts here. Um there is some parts yet that are, the I, I don't know if they're probably going to suspect there probably still be kind of some military and some bit involved because it's a huge <laughs> complex up there. Um, it's a huge complex. I was I was actually discussing with a guy for, um, over there recently, and he was he was telling me that the amount of concrete that went in there was like it was a lot like compared to what was there. I mean, like talking maybe about underground structures and stuff like that, but that's kind of un. Um, substantiated in any sense. Um, I know there were stories of some things with underground bases and all that there and that, but it was obviously a test place. It was like one of the longest runways in Europe at, at, at one time anyway, unless it still is. Mm -hmm. um, mm. When did it close? Um, I, could, I couldn't tell you when it closed. It's not been... It's not been... Um, I'll find out. It's, it wasn't a while ago, you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's in, probably within the last, I reckon, 10, 15 years. Um, as far as I'm led to believe, I know in the nineties it was still it was still a, when you went there in the nineties, um, they did still have the 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 signs up saying no photographic um pictures can be taken within this military site and or outside it and all that, and I can yeah, remember, I remember all that. that. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as I know now, it's it's kind of it's a lot is kind of decommissioned, used by the public at the bottom end, and then it is still cordoned off and, and fenced off and all that. And I mean, but it's a huge facility. Um, mm -hmm. But there's, I'm going to try and, um, t I've got a, a few friends over there, so I want to try and tie into some of the stories of the area, if there is any, because there was some things as well where they bought land to some farmers and stuff because they were too close to the facility, because of what they could probably see. And then they bought all the land, they, um, just purchase orders and stuff like that, so they could um, extend further. Mm -hmm. um, out there, you know what I mean? But oh, it's interesting. But that whole area, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, uh, yeah, the whole area um, was it was very interesting. There was, I think, a UFO, a UFO witnessed over Macrahanish. Mm -hmm. um, there was definite sightings of triangles and stuff. I mean, there was mm -hmm. definite sightings of that um, in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
from what I heard for the people over there I know um, they were saying that I mean recently in fact actually recently this was only and so it is, it is still getting used as a military base because um, one of my friends says recently one of the large Hercules, Hercules flew in and landed it was really really low it came off the sea and then uh, and landed and there sort of must have some type of military presence still there you know what I mean that was recently that's only in the last year yeah, they've been doing an, an awful lot of um, tests and stuff mm-hmm. recently mm-hmm. Uh, in the, um, the the area of, now I think it's off of Prestwick, that kind of, off of Prestwick Airport and fa- up to Fasley and that sort of area. Mm-hmm. Um, that facility in the back of Fasley is huge. If you look yeah. at that, a Google map with all the, the weapon storage places and what yeah. I mean, it is absolutely huge. I mean, you look at it, it was right inside of the mountain. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to see. You can see all the roads leading up into the back of it and, and stuff like that. But that's another story. <laughs> that, that, is a, that is another story. Um, so that that uh, first UFO investigation that I did, mm. I found very interesting. Oh, yeah. Um Another one is uh, different from the UFO. It was a poltergeist. It involved a friend of mine. And our, our little girl kept waking up and saying that she could see a, a blue boy. And uh, this wee girl, um, she also got thrown off a bench in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was in full view of our family. She just went, you know, right halfway across the kitchen. Um, and puddles of water would also appear there mm-hmm. in that kitchen. Uh, clothes would go missing and then they would reappear. And uh, it stays in my mind for two reasons. One is that it was a case that I was personally involved in and witnessed uh, these events. And the other reason is it was actually the first time that my husband and I met. Uh, we, we never saw each other again for years and we didn't really remember each other from then you know mm-hmm. but uh, he had come along with Malcolm Robinson because uh, he's a Ian's a psychic medium All right, okay. so um, that, that was back in the 90s as well mm-hmm. and so that's a case that stays uh, in my mind it's um, interesting with the, the blue boy you know I mean it's mm-hmm. it's no when you would hear with it I have heard it before Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't describe it as a boy, but as like a, a blue type, um, I wouldn't say an alien, but a, a type kind of being, you know what I mean? And uh-huh. it's, a stra- it's a strange one, like, you know I mean, because it's not like any normal kind of thing, like somebody no, would, it's not. would say either. Um, what what cases, unless it's maybe the ones you've just spoke about, I mean, what cases have scared you the most or kind of played in your mind the most? What's What would kind of keep you up at night? Well, I mean, that last one there with the, the blue boy was a bit frightening because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, activity builds up and, uh, you know, at that point, my friend was already beginning to get quite anxious about it. Mm-hmm. You know, people think it's fun having a ghost in their house. It's not. It, it, it's it's really not something you want to have in your house uh, something that I think could potentially ruin lives mm-hmm. things can escalate people can get 
mentally affected or physically hurt. Um, you know, I, I used to live in a flat where uh, a few things happened in it. And the woman upstairs, she also experienced things. Um, you know, down in my flat, I dealt with every bad entity that appeared or tried to appear, uh, tried to get in. Upstairs, though, there was a dark presence and you could feel it. On one occasion, I felt it watching me because I actually thought um, I'd come in for something and um, was standing in the hallway. And I thought somebody had come out the living room and was standing behind me. I actually thought, I thought I'd heard them and then the more I thought about it, I thought, did I hear them? You know, but um, that was like a, a, an afterthought, really, you know, um, because I had turned around to to say hi there. I thought it might have been our daughter, but there was nobody else in the flat, you know. And uh, I said to, to my friend, I said that I really thought somebody had come out there. And she said, oh, no, that will just be you know, whatever name they gave their ghost. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that that was really weird and uh, there was this dark presence in the hallway as well you didn't want to go up the hallway because one on one occasion i was watching our cat so while well, she was away so um i had to you know go up and, and feed the cat and uh, all the rest of it and um i did not like going in at night time i really didn't uh, especially not being there on my own and I'm not saying I've got nerves of steel, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's because I tend to be more clairsentient than anything else. So that's when you feel things, mm-hmm. and you know when it, when you're feeling something very bad. Well, you don't want to feel something very bad. So uh, so it's probably more that than actually actually being frightened of it. I just didn't really want to feel what was in there. Um, you, do you think that the, um, doing the work or like working in this type of field and invites it in in a sense, or like if you stare into the abyss, the abyss looks back at you. So it's like something sees, do you, you think that? Or do you think that sometimes we could maybe manifest that we're thinking about it? Not in a psychological sense, but mainly it manifesting for somewhere. I think that can happen, you know, um, talk about the devil and it's sure, it's sure to appear sort of thing, you know, that that's not a, a saying for no reason, I think it, that's true. Um, I, I, I did, uh, certainly when I was writing a talk on demonology, uh, sorry, it wasn't, it was on, um, it was on demonic possession and exorcism. And uh, I certainly had things happen, um, one of which was the, the man who came in to uh, fix the boiler. And as soon as he came in, I felt some, there was something not right. And um, after he had gone there was still a feeling of somebody being in the flat and that night there were noises in the hallway and 
uh, in the bathroom, sounds of things like falling or like clicking, snapping, you know, uh, cracking, that sort of uh, sound. In the morning, I come through and open the curtains. And as I went to turn away, there was this sound of like, uh, like a book slamming on top of another book or of a like a hand slamming on, down on top of a book, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then the kitchen flooded. And at that point, I, I just said, no, you can't, you can't stay here. You cannot attach yourself to me. This is my home and uh, I don't want you here. You're going to have to go. Uh, it was nothing for a couple of weeks. And then um, there was, I woke up to like scratching on the walls and uh, the the walls actually seemed to be shaken. Uh, this is something that is is talked about in by other people who have experienced these things. Um, and a couple of weeks went by, and uh, I was woken up by an invisible force, an invisible entity who was had me by the wrists and uh, was trying to hold me down. And I was, you know, I was really angry. I was ready for them uh, because by that time I'd had experiences and I knew how to deal with certain things and uh, I wasn't having this. Hmm. And um, so there was this sort of struggle uh, going on and a few days later I decided to do a full exorcism on the house and that's what I did and a few days after that it might have been the next day I can't remember now um, but I was sitting in my living room and there was the sound of a million like millions of hailstones like the same sound that you would get with hailstones battering off the window mm-hmm. this went on for well over a minute um and i asked the woman upstairs and she had no idea what it might have been and that is another thing that i found out um later that is something that i read pretty much the exact same things had happened Mm-hmm. to this priest that it was talking about. So um, that all happened round about the same time as uh, I was writing mm-hmm. on demonic possession mm-hmm. and exorcism. So, you know, whether or not that had invited something in, I really, you know, I really couldn't tell you. Mm-hmm. I know that people can invite things in uh, by various things that they might do, like, um, you know, playing with Ouija boards, especially when they're drunk. Now, I've got, I, I really am not somebody who would tell mm-hmm. you not to use a Ouija board, mm-hmm. 
but you do run the risk of playing around with forces that are um, lower, lower energies, lower spirit, you know, uh, spirit energies. Um, and especially if you're really not sure what you're doing, uh, then, mm-hmm. you know, you could find that something happens. Even though what what you the kind of work that you were doing, it might not be the case of inviting it in, but it just might be the case of because you're noticing it, it's noticing you. You know what I mean? It's like the whole kind of thing where you look into the abyss, the abyss looks back. You know what I mean? And yeah. That kind of statement. Um, yeah, totally interesting. Um, so I think I kind of covered. I was going to ask, obviously, anything in any cases directly affected you. I take it obviously like the what you just talked about. The last kind of statement there. But have you then actually been investigated? It's affected you after it, or or do you think mainly just uh, what you were kind of speaking about? You're looking at the into demonology and stuff. Or? Um, anything that's affected me, really, I think. Um, you need things like the the kind of the the hitchhiker syndrome or like things like that. So you, if you maybe going somewhere to investigate something and then maybe something comes back to you. But I think you maybe answered that in a in a bit of the kind of last question a wee bit. I haven't, but I've had a friend that that happened to, so it does happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I knew somebody, he came back and he brought something back with him. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you any theories why some people perceive like paranormal events more than others? As in why it happens to some people, it doesn't happen to others, or some people see things, some people don't. Can we you any theories on that? I would imagine it's to do with psychic ab- abilities. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are more perceptive than others. Some people uh, seem to have to work harder than others to perceive things. Uh, you know, they might be going along to development circles, for example, and um, they have to work especially hard. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just comes very naturally to, to other people. Now, that could be for a number of reasons. It's not just psychic. Uh, you know, it could be to do with health or age. Mm-hmm. You know, some people are closer to the other side. They might be ill, they might be old or, or young, and um, they see things, you know. So, for example, I, I, when I was ill, um, I was in hospital and I saw a shadow being in a hospital that was watching intently inside this uh, woman's uh, bedroom. uh, Bedroom's not the right word, really. It's a uh, hospital bedroom, you know. Well, it was a a separate, it was a, a separate room. And uh, her family had been, they were quite distraught actually. And I'd heard the the doctors telling them to expect the worst. And uh, it didn't sound like the woman was going to make it to the morning. And all the time this shadow was outside our room. And I, you know, I could see it from, from where I was in my room. And uh, at, later on, when there was nobody there, this shadow started to move to 
you know, in the direction of her room, mm -hmm. slowly just sort of creeping, you know, more and more towards her inside her room. And I got a really bad feeling about it. Um, I, I really thought I had to do something. So I called upon the angels and I asked them, uh, Archangel uh, Michael, uh, and Archangel Raphael. Uh, Raphael is an angel of healing and Michael is an angel of protection and courage. So I asked them to come in and help and then I told this being that I had the, I'd, I'd brought in the angels. The angels were here, uh, Michael and Raphael and they were protecting this woman and basically told it to, to beat it, you know, <laughs> and uh, it started retreating. And um, the next day, the old woman was well enough to be moved into a ward. Mm -hmm. um, now, I, I don't know what might have happened there. Um, but uh, that that's what I know. What, what do you perceive these things to be? Is it like just a, a dark entity or would you think it was a demon? Is it different for you, like a demon or, or it's, I, I, I suppose obviously it's hard to discern, but if you're maybe dealing with... Or I, I, I felt it was uh, an, a, like a human spirit. Mm-hmm. I felt that's what it was, but a bad human mm. spirit. Uh, and I, I asked a nurse uh, the, like the next day, mm -hmm. I told her what I was into, you know, and I said, do you ever see anything in here? I didn't tell her what I had seen. I just said, do you ever see anything in here? And she said, oh yeah, out there. And she said where I had seen this, mm -hmm. she said, oh, we see it out the corner of our eye. We see something. We don't know what it is, but we don't don't like it. Um, and she said, oh, you, you would have loved it last week. You, there was a, a commotion in the ward along to the right. Uh, this um, man had woken up and he was screaming for the nurses and when they went in he said that someone was trying to pull him out of the bed by his feet mm -hmm. and they, they calmed him down gave him a cup of tea thought he was probably talking nonsense and a short while later one of the nurses went in to I don't know whether she was putting a towel into his like cupboard or, or what, but uh, she just felt this invisible hand clasping over her arm. And uh, I'm quite sure you couldn't have seen her for dust. So um, that, you know, that, that was something that I perceived um, the point of my story being it was something that I perceived when I was ill. Mm -hmm. You know, I also perceived, uh, I also saw the heart man sitting beside me when I was ill. Mm -hmm. um, and 
he's also has the reputation of being a negative entity, but I'm not sure if that is the case. Um, he appears when people are ill, and you know, I I just wonder whether he is supposed to be there to warn them or to actually guide them mm -hmm. to the other side. Now, I, I was very ill when I saw him. I had renal failure, <clears throat> and uh, my my transplant was, you know, put off for for about a year. Uh, so it was during that time that I had a lot, saw a lot of things, a lot more things than I see nowadays. Uh, and another thing was the the Pleiadians that I saw um, when I woke up. There was this light um, beaming up or beaming down, but it, it was coming from or going to my forehead. And it was like a cone shape in the ceiling. And in this, looking down at me over this platform, were, was this uh, man who, he had black hair. And as soon as he realized that I had, was, um, you know, could see him basically, uh, he said to these other people that were, um, you know, I, I couldn't see them yet, but he said, we've got her. And they, they looked over, more people looked over and one of them seemed to be in charge. And he said, you have to tell people about us. And I said, yeah, I will. And he said, no, you, you must promise me, promise us that you'll tell people about us. And I said, yes, I promise I'll, I'll tell people. And um, I was woken out of that experience by uh, my cat who was going crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy. Mm. I've never seen him in such a, a terrified state. Don't know if terrified is even the word, but unnerved. Mm -hmm. He was really unnerved, uh, pacing back and forward, trying to get me to um, come out of whatever was going on. Um, so all those things happened when I was ill. But, you know, I used to work in a residential home for the elderly and the old women knew when someone had died. They, they just knew it. You know, um, there was this sort, of, this sort of sixth sense that older people seem to possess, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it is probably because they are closer to the other side mm -hmm. um, than, than, you know, a healthy middle-aged person might be. Uh, and young people, there have lots of stories of children seeing things having imaginary friends, you know, I used to have a, an imaginary rough collie uh, <laughs> called La Laddie um, and, and he would come to school with me. So uh, I, I had that, I wasn't 
an imaginary friend wasn't good enough. I had to have a dog. I had a, I had a man, I had a man with a dark suit and glasses and a hat. Well, I used to call it a bonnet, but um, I couldn't remember this. But it used to like totally freak my mum and stuff like that when I was younger. It was like it was under like five, but I used to see this guy in my room and he used to be there with me in the living room and it was like a, a man in a suit. I mean, it was like, a, I think my mum used to put it down to being like my granddad or something like that because he died before he was born. I mean, but it's easy for to say that, but I think I described it as a, like a, a tall man in a bonnet with dark glasses. You know what I mean? And it, it used to totally, I'd say that like that much, it used to like totally freak me out because I'd be young and I wouldn't, it was like a strange thing for somebody to describe at that age. You know what I mean? Like you're talking like really young, like it was below mm. like five, four kind of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no other I could remember. Um, wow. Well, like, so you know, weren't freaked out? I kind of remember it. I mean, I've no recollection of it at all. Um, but this is just stories I've been relayed back to like my mum and my sisters and stuff when I was younger. Um, but yeah. I, it's just, uh, it's when you think, it's mad because I'll, I'll tell you about some of my stuff after kind of we finish or I'll get on at the end or whatever, but it's mad when you start looking at um, the stuff within your family or even with that and what you can either dig up or what you remember. It's just, it's, it's, it's mad. Um, on, on another bit, so obviously you were looking into um, demonology and, and possession and, and stuff like that. Um, what do you, what would you see causes people to be possessed um, to start off with? Or is there, is there actually a rational thing to even discern why people are possessed or can be possessed? Um, well, I think there can be various reasons. Uh, sometimes it might happen because they've been, uh, playing around with uh, forces that they don't understand, like Ouija boards um, or what we might call dark magic. Um, You know, you mentioned witchcraft there. Now, witchcraft can be used for good, but it it can also be used for bad. It's 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 not. Um, it, it's your intention. It's how you you use it. And and some people might think that they're doing something good, and they're not doing something good. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's lots of repercussions can happen with something like spell work. Um, with something like Ouija boards or uh, anything like that. Um, I don't want to put people off any of these things because I've done them myself mm-hmm. without anything particularly bad happening. But there is a small print there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, down the bottom it says, you know, P.S. Uh, <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> the, uh, a disclaimer at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Can happen. So, in terms of possession, and um, obviously, have you ever seen anybody being um, that was possessed, or have you ever been involved in any exorcisms? I know you said you done an exorcism in your house and and things like that, but that's the only exorcism I've done. Um, 
I've seen plenty done on documentaries. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen a lot of a lot of documentaries that have involved this. Um, so the people possessed by like a, a demon, or is it by maybe another person, or what's the usually usually it's interpreted as being a demon. Um, but then the the documentaries that I've been watching, most of them have um, been have been in, have involved the the Catholic Church, who are pretty much most associated with uh, exorcism, mm -hmm. um, and so that's what they perceive them to be. But I I would say in in all of the cases. Uh, it seemed to be demonic possession. Um, I mean, my husband had a case uh, where someone was possessed by a spirit. Um, now, this is it's kind of difficult to explain because sometimes possession is not so clear cut as you would think. Mm -hmm. That there could be a line of like a chain of command. Um, so, in this case, um, there was a worse spirit who was uh, uh, influencing this boyfriend who was in a psychiatric unit, who was then in turn managing to project i think he was involved in dark magic as well and he was managing to project his will onto his girlfriend or his ex-girlfriend uh, outside you know and so this this chain of command was happening now it wasn't until uh, my husband started doing healing that he got to the root of what was going on with this girl and um, he broke this chain of command. Uh, I, I don't know exactly how he would do that. He would have done that in his own uh, his own way. Um, but the girl, for whatever reason, he he advised her not to continue with doing healing. And she was doing Reiki at the time. Mm -hmm. He said, I would advise you to stop doing healing because you're too open um, and, and things, you're too vulnerable. You're making yourself vulnerable. Um, and she also liked, and again, this is, I am not telling people not to do things. Mm -hmm. Uh, in, in fact, I am an advocate of cannabis, but she was a regular smoker of uh, cannabis. And he said to her, that was another thing, you're, you're leaving yourself open and you're not the kind of personality that should be doing these things because of that. So it can be different. Some people can you know, they've got a strong personality, they can deal with it. If anything tries to bother them, they can deal with it, or things might just stay away from them. Uh, and that's fine. And and they might 
smoke to their heart's content and do Ouija boards every night, you know. And again, <laughs> read the small print, don't do this. Right. <laughs> Am I right in saying that the like the Catholic Church, they like the kind of um, most authority on um, doing exorcisms and, and things like that? Um... Yes and no. Um, they are an authority mm -hmm. on exorcisms. They know what they're doing. They've done this ritual for centuries mm -hmm. and they've got it, you know, to a T. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think I can fault them on that. They do very well with it. Um, but other religions also have their forms of exorcism. Uh, every culture, mm -hmm. as far as I'm aware, has some form of exorcism. So that means that every culture mm -hmm. uh, has experienced possession. Demons or jinns and, and, and things Demons, jinns, like whatever you, you want to call them. It's, it's um, mad how it crosses over continents and, and things like that and religions yeah. and, and everything. This, yeah. is, this is something that is uh, not particular to, it's not um, peculiar to a particular culture. It's uh, it's universal. It is a universal phenomenon, and it, you know we have to find deal ways of dealing with it now. What you've been looking at, would you say, um, for the stuff you've been researching, would you say in modern times it's um, possessions on the uptake, <laughs> as, as a sense? Well, I've been told it is. I've read that it, it is. Um, I, I know one person who has been bothered not... I, I would say this was more of a, an attachment that could potentially lead to that. Um, but she seems to be doing quite well at warding this thing off. But that's taken an awful lot of time to uh you know to to get that to for, the, for that to happen and and many investigations and um blessings in the house and visits from like priests from myself and my husband um and and we've we've done we've all done various things and really it wasn't until the lady herself started getting really strong about it and um you know the the less frightened because i think she thought that if she spoke to it interacted in any way then it would make it worse mm -hmm. but um I, I didn't really see how it could be getting you know how it could get worse you know and and well you might as well just address it and say no this is not happening you know and that quite often is is the best way i also told her to recite the saint michael's prayer and she was doing that as well and said that that was working very well so that that that's another just a you know a little prayer uh, or getting people who know you to say prayers doesn't matter if they're there or not that doesn't matter um but prayer is a very very strong thing to 
towarding these things away. They don't like it. They don't like the name of them. I mean, that's why they, they, um, the Catholic exorcism seems to work very well, is that they don't like the name of Jesus or Christ or Mary. Uh, they, they really don't like those names. I'm going to I'm going to come back to that um, in a wee bit. Just be uh, another kind of question on that. So, do you think um, people like can a person be like a full fledged demon? As in, like, uh, there's like when the things what I'm kind of thinking of is when you look back to somebody like, for example, like Ted Bundy, right, serial killer, and got away with be manipulative and um just basically got away with like quite a lot for like a long time right seems to kind of evade the law and was quite lucky quite a lot of the time as well and people would say when he was he would go into that mode or whatever else his eyes would go black mm-hmm. and there's there's and that wasn't just there was there was people who he tried to attack who actually got away that seen that with him, the people that live with him that seen that happen to him, and also, um, I think his lawyer would say, I don't know if he was a lawyer or somebody was in, or maybe a reporter who was uh, getting the story. And when he would talk about certain things, his eyes would just go black, and he, he, it was like he was he was like a different person. I mean, but and that you, you've heard of that, and a number of different kind of people, and like serial killers or like totally evil people like that. You know what I mean? Um, which I can. Kind of I'd be interested in finding out more about that because I'm very interested in serial killers. Uh, I'm very interested, particularly in what you're talking about there, because it's something that I've often wondered about myself. Not that the person is a demon, but that the that the demon has. Um, taken over. Taken over completely without it being recognised. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, there's been full. Um, now there's a word for it. Is it immersion? I can't remember. Uh, full possession or whatever. <laughs> well, it, it is full possession anyway. But a sim is it a, maybe it's assimilation. Um, but there was like, I can mind you two cases like that, and uh, I know I'm refi- there's, there's probably others. I mean, I'm just referring to kind of well-known ones mm-hmm. that were um, in the public eye, like in the past. And there was one where it was Ted Bundy was one of them, but that happened. And there was another one as well. Um, what was his name again? Um, the Night Stalker. The same happened to him as well. They said his eyes would go black, and and it was like he was totally like a, a different person or whatever else. Interesting. And it is interesting. No, I mean, uh, I mean I'd, when I'd kind of seen these things or, or, or watched them in the Buddha or read in the Buddha, I'd always kind of think, you know what I mean? Like for the, the crimes that these people done and the the um, the way that some people perceived them and, it, and then sometimes the luck factor of how they got off with stuff or, the, or just these tiny wee inconsistencies they got off with um, or managed to get off with because they... Some silly technicality. Somebody didn't check something, and then they missed them there or there, and and all these weekend things clicked together. It was just like some other bit of forces working for them. You know what I mean, or for them at that time, and that they managed to go in and kill more. And and there was things like that. And I mean, and you always think, well, I always kind of think if you're reading material and that or watching stuff, you're just kind of like, if, if anybody's a demon, it's that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I've 
I've thought it myself that uh, perhaps some murderers have been possessed. Uh, certainly, is it Steve Taylor? I think it's Steve Taylor who was told he was possessed. Mm -hmm. um, whether he was or not is a, a debatable thing. Uh, but he was told he was possessed and then he went and killed his wife and their dog. Just mm -hmm. in Wakefield, um, wasn't it? Down in Yorkshire. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And ran about screaming that he was the devil or something like that. Um, the Anglican church who were there, they weren't the only ones that were there. There was other churches there. Mm -hmm. And I think the church that he was with, it, it wasn't the Church of England, but for some reason, there was two representatives from the Church of England. And they maintain to this day that he was possessed. Um, so that's one uh, that I can think of. In that case, it was like they cast out um, X amount of demons, but there was there was demons left and like murder and rage and anger or whatever that's else. Right. And then somebody else there had said he was going to commit some type of um, penis or murderous act or something like that. And he did. That's <laughs> right. Like that's right. He went home and did it. But then, you know, you think, okay, but if he wasn't, then that could be the power of suggestion working on that man. Totally. And, you know, because I think, I don't, I'm not sure that what the, the exorcism was like, but it, it seems to have been quite a, a frantic mm -hmm. type of exorcism, which is, as far as I know, not quite the way of the Church of England. So, I'm really not quite sure what went on there, but uh, certainly the, there's the two possibilities. Yes, that he was possessed mm -hmm. and committed an act, a, 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 a heinous act, uh, or he was, um, you know, it, it was a suggestion. One of the one of the interesting cases when I was when I was talking about Ted Bundy there, where somebody had seen his eyes go black was there's a woman can't remember her name she was one of the ones that got away from him and, and what had happened is ted bundy had stopped her in san francisco i think it was and it, it said that um, he had eye surgery and he was trying to get an address his friend's parents or something like that or, or whatever else and and um she had she, she kind of got a bad feeling about him to start off with and then and he said no, and he said, look, can you at least just come to the hotel, it's just there, and just phone, um, or look in the phone book for me. So they went into the, she's, she's kind of thought, right, I'll do a good Samaritan and do that, and just kind of let him get on his way kind of thing. So it was like, they all kind of, he was always kind of faking injury and things like that to try and um, kind of hoodwink people and stuff. So they went into the hotel, and then they went to the main kind of foyer at the bottom, they went in the lift and went up to another kind of, um, kind of conference room where there was a, a phone in the corner. So they went out of the phone in the corner and um, she was looking through the phone book for him. And just as she was doing that, like she was looking about doing it for a wee bit and this kind of bad feeling came over where she got like, um, like the hair standing at the back of her neck and, and started to kind of really feel quite freaky. And, and she turned around and his eyes were black and she knew then 
that it was just um, that she was in a bad situation, obviously. And then it was like, yeah. and as that was happening, he was kind of coming towards her. The lift opened, no, I don't think the lift opened. I think somebody kind of walked out of one of the rooms and it was like a, a bellboy or, or, or something like that. And he, he just spoke to the woman and says, you need to come with me now. Or you need to, you need to, don't you think you should be going now or something like that? He said a kind of comment like that to her. <clears throat> so they went in the lift. She just walked with him. Ted Bundy never done anything. Went down in the lift. And when they got to the main foyer, the guy had disappeared. That joking bellboy person had disappeared. Yeah. And um a guardian angel. That's what it was like. Yeah, it was something like that. So and then it wasn't until the, the, the girl obviously told her parents and all that kind of stuff and, and what had happened about this strange person and nothing had happened, but she just knew that the guy was going for her. And again, his whole demeanor changed, his eyes went black and all that kind of stuff, but then this guy intervened. And then um, it wasn't until like weeks or a month later that there was something else had been murdered and this guy's photo fit was in the paper and she said that was the same guy. And um, I don't think he committed any murders in San Francisco, if, if I'm right, to, if I believe that, but right. But, but he was in the area at that kind of same time or whatever else. So definitely it was Ted Bundy, she said. Um, it was definitely his MO for faking injury and stuff. But it was just a, a story, a kind of garden angel. And you're thinking if, if this guy has some type of, I don't know, demon or demonic entity or whatever else, it's maybe there's some other kind of riding force there to try and kind of cut him off at the chase or whatever else. But... Yeah, well, I mean, if demons can exist, then obviously their their counterpart can exist as well, you know, and uh, uh, the form of angels. And there's many, many stories of, of angels coming to the rescue and helping people, whether they're seen or unseen, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's lots of stories like that. But um, yeah, I, what's that other guy? trying to remember his name the the one that um was uh, involved in the the sharon tate case oh uh, um all right okay um b -b 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 <laughs> charles manson yes mm. yeah mm -hmm. and he's the same when you look at his eyes mm -hmm. there's something not quite right about them there's just something not quite right about them. And I think he actually is another one that likened himself to the devil. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not sure if I'm right in saying that, but I think I think that that's the case. Um, a really good book on Manson, and it's, it's it's not just about Manson, it's about... Um, it's, it took the guy like 20 or 30 years to write. He started off writing it as a reporter, and then the story went on and on and on and on and on. And then it took him to court and all that kind of stuff because he, he hadn't finished the story and he just kept going on with it. And he ended up, he, he wrote a book in the end. Um, but the book's amazing. I mean, it really is. It's all to do with, and it's all kind of factual stuff that he had found out right through the whole life of, um, mainly Charles Manson and how he got off his stuff and didn't get picked up quick enough and all that. And it was like, an overriding helping hand be um, daft like corrupt lawyers and like links to the CIA and all that. And it does sound absolutely crazy, links to the CIA. But when you look at all the kind of connection that this guy's had made, it was, um, he used to go to this, the, the head um, Ashbury Clinic where, the, where a lot of the kind of hippies at the time went to and stuff. And um, yeah. he, some of the people linked 
to the MK Ultra um, stuff, which was true. It was factual, and that's it, like a it was like any a CIA program that's been invited to. Um, there was this certain doctor who was supposed to be linked in with and stuff, and this guy dug up all this like really, really, really good stuff. Um, it's, it's an amazing book. I'll, I'll dig it out. And I'll, I'll send you what it was, but um, it's it's a, you get it in an audible book as well, and you can just sit and listen for ages. Okay. It's, it's a huge book. Sounds good. <laughs> um, on so back onto the topic and um, the what was kind of want to get to after this as well is is so when I kind of came into the paranormal normal subject, I've been into it for a good number of years and as in saying and yeah, like just an interest in it. Um, I kind of started <laughs> off in the kind of UFO field mm-hmm. and and looking at like um, that area of it, but like when you're looking now. Uh, not even so much now. You're even looking back at like at John Keel's work and stuff, and he said that it was an overriding uh, kind of thing that all the paranormal stuff is mixed into one big melting pot or, or whatever. Um, now you get cases where obviously you're getting um, abduction scenarios where you'll have the, the typical abduction scenario, or you'll have a, scenarios where um, there's there's obviously some kind of abduction abuse can kind of can happen and, and then you could easily link that to to cases days gone by where like incubus cases or I mean or succubus and, and things like that you know what I mean and it just to me looking at it in a sense where if you're coming from going back to the cases three years ago and then you've got the cases now was the UFO phenomenon always there or is it the thing it's always there and it's mastered something else now you know what i mean what's your kind of thoughts on that yeah that is a multi multi question that it is a either eye so i'll, I'll try and i'll try and <laughs> no no it's, uh, it's, it's a, a kind of a more concise kind of thing so the would you would you say as some people perceive the UFO phenomenon or even parts of the UFO and abduction phenomenon to be evil or to be um, demons rather than being aliens? You know what I mean, and, and things like that. I mean, especially the abduction scenario because you can relate it to things going past. What's your kind of views on it? Well, I think some uh, experiences seem to happen out of the body in the astral. Um, Now that could account for people recollecting that they've been taken through walls, right? Uh, Now what they might be after, uh, I'll come back to. Um, Other people, it's a much more, uh, well, both, both cases would be literal, but um, it, it's a much more physical experience that they have. They, um, they see it as it's happening uh, and they are not in any kind of sleep state. Uh, so, I mean, there's like Gary, uh, Gary Wood and Colin Wright, you'll have heard of their case, the A70. Um, they experienced quite a a physical encounter. Um, Yes, they had missing time and and there was things recovered under hypnosis uh, um, that may or may not fill the gaps, but 
They certainly, they had nightmares afterwards. They had marks on their body. Um, and Gary also had a, a visitation um, by a being in his room one morning when he woke up, there it was, and <laughs> he leapt out of bed and punched it. <laughs> oh, when I heard that, I thought, yeah, beauty. Was it a physical being? So it actually was. Well, it... it was, but when he punched it, it disappeared. Oh, right, okay. So, um, I, you know, make of that what well, you want. Typical will. Scottish thing to do. You know? <laughs> I know, I know, I know, isn't it? Isn't it, though? You know, what? it's the exact same reaction as um, what's his name, that guy, John? Oh, I can't remember when when the terrorists oh, ran John, and John John Smeaton. Smeaton, yes, uh huh. So exactly the same reaction. Punch. A, a guy in a burning car. I mean, what do you do? Attack them. <laughs> I know. I know. It happened. The, remember, we used to have that uh, predator game in Glasgow. No, do you no, remember exactly. that? No. Um, so it was like one of these reality games. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was Predator and um, not Predator. It was well, it was either Predator or Alien. God, I can't remember oh, now. Okay. But it, it was the Alien creature anyway. So, um, uh, so, so this guy was going around and um, going, you know, like going around the corridors, you know, with I don't know his paintball gun or whatever it was, you Amazing. know, looking for the the alien. And this sort of alien creeped out to the side of him. And, you know, he, he, he jumped, got a fright, jumped and punched the punched the alien there's, and ran away. And there's this poor guy <laughs> uh, in the alien outfit, <laughs> flat on his back, going, it's just a game. <laughs> God, I know, that was that was a cracker. I, I, um, I do find it quite um quite when you when you look at if you into kind of the like the alien scenarios and abduction scenarios and or, or obviously just reading about them and whatever else or um, witness testimony and, and and what's out there and there's vast amount of witness testimony out there. Um, yeah. it's when you hear time and time again that cases that start when people are younger. And they're no great, they're no good cases. They're not having like um, an enlightened case or anything like that. They're, they're having a, a terrifying, frightening um, thing that's happening to them. And for that, it's some of them you almost could put it down to is, is, is something obviously feeding off that negative energy, or is it, is, it, is it linked into the same things where you get like kids being scared of the dark and all oh, this kind of thing? And is it more vast than, than we know? I mean, it's like. Yeah, I mean, it could be some really good points that you've made there, and uh, it certainly could be any one of those things, but really, we don't know. We don't, and that's the thing, nobody can... Nobody can we just don't know. We don't know, no, nobody's got the answers for these things, you know what I mean? I'm just... No. Uh, it's To me, I always had an interest in it, because, like, the thing is, um, you, you know yourself in the paranormal field that... We'll probably we don't need to can you believe in a lot of stuff because we've got all the witness te- testimony we need and quite a lot is we've got the belief already there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's just trying to even <laughs> the UFO community argue between, argue between themselves on what abduction scenarios are. If they're good, they're bad. They're evil. They're good. They're aliens. They're interdimensional. There's a lot of different facets there. You know what I mean, but mm-hmm. it's it's just that. Do do you think mixed into all that that there could be some type of um, I don't know like evil presence mixed in with some of that or is it just is it a a separate thing or you know what I mean is, is, can you well, it? is it I do I just think- like to get your kind of view coming from basically um, coming from what you can kind of research what you look into and what you can kind of, um, if you're looking at demonology what kind of questions do you see any of that abduction kind of scenarios um, as a different thing for what maybe a ufologist and maybe an aliens and stuff like that would see do you see it different or do you just see it as what the people tell it as and well i think in some cases it could be related i mean uh i i know one priest who has said that uh he thinks that you know what because what are they looking for what do they want mm-hmm. and he said your soul if they don't have a soul, mm-hmm. they want to know what this is. They're looking for it. That's what they're after. Now, I don't know if that's the case. I really don't know. But um, it's certainly another point of view. It's another thing to think about. That, you know, what are all these tests that people say that they're doing? You know, what what is it they're looking for? I mean, then you could go into, well... Um, it's all hybrid stuff that they're what you know that they're trying to do, um, so, but that that would be that would be like the kind of the physical side of it. The physical the physical side of it, you can prove what's happening with a physical side, mm-hmm. but you can never prove what's going on when you're talking about something like the soul, mm-hmm. the astral, the soul, yeah. yeah the, the, the soul, even, you know, science science just, I think, will never get there. Mm-hmm. Science will never understand these concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not because they don't exist. Mm-hmm. They do exist, but science can never tell you. They can never pinpoint what they are because they come from within the person. The, the thing is, when you, when you look at, like, what the kind of cases and if you could go through the kind of scenarios, uh, what generally kind of harms to people within like some of these abduction scenarios and mm-hmm. and like DNA taking and, and all this kind of stuff and hybrids and all that, like if they're that far advanced, you could be, you wouldn't need that much DNA for a start. I mean, or, and I, I don't get all that. You know what I mean? That's one thing it's, it's, a, it's total perplexing with the fact that um, if it's been going on for that long, how much DNA do you need? Um, yeah. And there's other, there's just other cases there that are, that are quite strange. And where you've probably read about yourself, where you'll get um, a physical one mixed in with like a, a kind of astral um, mm-hmm. abduction at the same time, and and things like that. And it's uh, I always do wonder, like myself, is it, is it something to do with the soul in a, in a sense where is it trying to get is try to get in with the genetic. Kind of way we are, so they can eventually kind of transgress where we go, and and things like that. And I mean, that's just it's just our theories that you're kind of thinking of when you try to make some kind of plausible action here. You know what I mean? 
And then, well, if they are truly evil and trying to get your soul and and can then get into where your soul would go. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's going to... That's, that's, sorry, when you go, sorry, cut you off when you go. No, just I think it's important to uh, change that fear into, I mean, like when it happened with me, I changed it into anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a spontaneous thing as well. I didn't, it wasn't intentional. I think I was just so um, furious that this being had dared to try to come into my bedroom. You know, and it was trying to get in from the hall. And um, I got really angry, did something really powerful and unexpected. Um, but I'll tell you what it was, but it does sound a bit Hollywood. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'd projected out my body. Um, I was floating above my bed but in a kneeling position Mm -hmm. and I started drawing pentagrams of fire around my bed. Now this is done astrally and in the astral world you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I did those things because they were signs of protection and I knew that and for some reason I don't know why like my it was my finger I used to, to draw these, for some reason they c- it came out in fire. Now that might have been because I was angry, mm-hmm. because I remember feeling that, you know, that sort of anger. And um, obviously fire is associated with anger. That's the element that goes with anger. Uh, so it could have had something to do with that. I, I don't know, but anyway, it warded off whatever was there. It didn't get in. Um, on, on the same note as the kind of the warding off, because I've heard stories as well where um, people, if they're, if they're during an abduction scenario, and they say um, basically like say Jesus to, to try and dispel them out, and they disappear and things like that. So um, I've heard the things like that. With um, some cases, I mean, we try and say in the name of Jesus to try and get these things out of the room and they go either they they go just because that they're they're causing distress and i mean i don't think that's the case because they like they'll like going with the accounts and i mean they cause distress with some people yeah um so on another on a kind of another note with the just kind of sticking with the the ufological kind of sense and um just what you're taking it if you're obviously with the kind of stuff that's happening in america now where um like since like the Tic Tac event and all that kind of stuff and and what's what they're going to maybe come out with in Congress and all that. We um we we Lou Elizondo when he was when he was trying to take some of the stuff um to obviously the higher ups when he worked when he worked in the government that he was getting um basically the one they want to progress with any further because they were saying that within some people within the Pentagon were like Christian fundamentalists and they were saying um, that all the UFO field is all that kind of thing. It's evil and they weren't wanting to do with it. So that's why they didn't look at that. And that was one of the things that he said that, that he, he got hit with. You know what I mean? And and one of my kind of take on that was, were they saying that 
because they were just fundamentalists or um, or like Christians within the Pentagon that didn't want to go any further with that. They did believe that because they thought it was evil, or did they know something else? Well, that that is certainly another thought. I I really I don't know. Um, the you've probably have heard about my incubus experience. I've mentioned it several different times, mm-hmm. but the that culminated in me finding out 14 years later of someone who had seen a UFO above my flat. Mm-hmm. At the same time? It probably was the same month. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was the same date, but it's probably the same month. Um, now, some people have suggested that it was actually a, a reptilian. Some people have mentioned gin. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just know what I what I saw. I, that's all I know. Um, I, the American governments and stuff, and they were talking in the Pentagon, and and that's what I mean when they were talking going back to why they wouldn't want to go any further with it, and it was down to they were saying it was some type of evil, right? But it was only some higher-ups that were saying that, and they were putting it down to Christian fundamentalists. But when you actually look at what the American government done years and years ago, they looked into the cult and stuff. And I mean, they done a lot of stuff with room of viewing and that, and they're supposed to have heavily looked into a lot of other stuff. So mm-hmm. did they find something out then that they didn't want to progress with? Or, you know what I mean? And that's well, they, they, they might have done. They might have done, or they might just be trying to keep, folk off the scent they might be doing their own underground investigations oh, totally i can imagine that you know <laughs> and we, you know yeah you can you can well imagine that mm-hmm. but uh, we'll never know but yeah it, it equally it could be mm-hmm. uh, something evil mm-hmm. that, that uh, they found out i i I wouldn't. It's a hard one. Nobody's got the answers to it. Yeah, you know I mean. Yeah, but, I wouldn't be able to hazard. I guess. It's that hard really you've got this much information these days coming from all different angles. Yeah. All different yeah. areas. Then it's one big melting pot. And yeah, all hard. you can really say is, okay, well, here are the possibilities. Mm-hmm. That's all you can do. Yeah. These are the possibilities, but we simply don't know, mm-hmm. um, and and may never know. No, it's it's totally interesting though. But we'll, we'll hopefully maybe we'll we'll find out something. I mean, in our lifetime anyway. You know what I mean? But well, that's quite a hard one. Is there anything um, else that you want to um, talk about? You think's pertinent? Or um, um, wait till I have a wee look and see if I've jotted anything down. Ah, uh, yeah. One of the questions that you had. Um, was what is a demon? Oh, I didn't ask that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I had said, I'd jotted down, it's a negative force. Or, um, the other thing I had just read was, I'd never read this before, an evil entity which some think come from a pre-Adamic race, so before Adam. Mm-hmm. Now, wait till I just read this to you. Uh, it was a popular theory is that the demons are disembodied spirits of some race that existed before Adam, spirit beings that are separate from, from fallen angels. 
It's argued that demons existed at another place and time in bodily form, but are now disembodied spirits looking for bodies to possess. Um, the following scriptures are used to support this theory. And then it's a passage from Matthew. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it wanders through waterless regions looking for a resting place, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. When it comes, it finds it empty, swept and put in order. Uh, so that, that's what the this person has written. Um, I don't know. It's the first time I've read that. So it's got an interesting, to, quite an interesting passage, that. Aye. I thought so too. Yeah, I, I thought it really was very interesting. Um, and there, there's more there, but um, I haven't read it all. So I don't want to read you the entire uh, page. Mm -hmm. um, just I just thought I would read that first bit. But yes, it is. It's extremely interesting that, uh, you know, somebody's um, thought about that, that there's there's a possibility there, um, a separate race from the fallen angels. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's mad. You just get this whole kind of melting pot mixture, as you say. It's, we've got, you going back years ago where it was the fee and... And there were always kind of a thing where no one their children stole them in the night with the fairies or whatever, and then it goes on to something else, then it's something else. And it's like, I did get a mindset where is it, is it all the same thing? Is it a new thing? Or is it some masking as another thing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know. the answers to it. I know. It's a, it's a philosophical question, really. Mm -hmm. um, and... I mean, I I did have an experience where I, I had an astral projection um, and I was in space mm -hmm. and I said that as though I had astral projection, as though it's a disease, didn't I? Mm. Um, I experienced astral projection and uh, I, I was in space. It was the second time it happened, so I thought I better do something because the first time I was just hysterical laughter that it had worked, you know, that I'd managed to to um, uh, have an astral projection. So the second time I thought I better do something, so I called out, is there anybody there? And this voice came back and it said, my planet is dying. And I said, show me. So we went over to, we floated over above um, this, what looked like a large island I was seeing. So it was probably a map. Um, and the colors, the colors were really bright, like luminous colors. Mm -hmm. They just, I just knew those colours are wrong. And the next day, looking through Facebook, and up pops this article that had all these, This it was a map, and it had these colour, these luminous colours on it. And the headline was, Is There Life on Mars? Mm -hmm. 
and it was um what what do you call it um an infra no no what do you call it it's like it measures heat patterns or something like that oh with thermal or thermal thermal mm -hmm. image so i think it was a thermal image of mars um and it just looked like what i'd seen or similar to it and um, I thought I'd never really believed there was life on Mars before, you know, and uh, suddenly I thought differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought I was possibly shown something there that there had been. And if there was life on Mars, if there can be spirits on this Earth, then wherever there's life, there mm -hmm. can be spirits. Totally. And if they don't have a home, where do they go? They can float up into space and they can talk to people, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so any disembodied soul can do that. Mm -hmm. um, so lots of questions, not any, not enough answers really. Uh, but that's the, that's the subject. I'd like to thank you um, so much for your time and thanks for coming on. Thanks very much. I've really enjoyed it. Aye, really enjoyed it. Um, I'll, send you the, I'll send you the details of the book I was talking about as well. Yes. And yeah, that'd be great. What, is there anything you want to plug before we kind of go off? Obviously, you've got the conference coming up. Conference, yes, that's coming up 12th of June. Okay. Uh, and you can uh, find that on the uh, details for it on the SBI Facebook site. Yeah, yeah, you'll find it on there. Uh -huh. um, we're, it's through Eventbrite, we're uh, selling tickets this year. Mm -hmm. uh, it just makes things a whole lot easier. Um, so, yeah, you there's the Facebook page as well. Um, I'll put a few links in the notes and that as well and stuff. Yeah, and SPI Scotland too, ah. that it'll be on there. Well. Right, well, I'll, I'll let you go. I've kept you for a good bit of time now. I mean, it's been, it's been <laughs> no worries. two hours, 20 minutes. I mean, I know that long as I'll edit it, right? But, <laughs> but uh, listen, thanks very much for your time. And, uh, Thank you. All right, cheers. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. -bye.